The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? I'm going to pray one last time, uh, and uh, we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, you're good. Lord, you are loving and graceful. Lord, you want the best for your family. You want the best for all your kids in this room today. And so we pray that as we continue to um, see you in the book of James and uh, how you uh, have planned for our lives and guide our lives. Lord, we pray that you open our hearts. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So we are week four in the book of James. And the book of James is five chapters, and we said as a church that through June, we were going to go through the book of James five times. We are going to see how God speaks into the life of the church. And if you've ever wondered, well, what does God want for me to do here today? The book of James is where you would go, because it really is not a manual for Christian living, but it speaks again and again and again to the posture of how we love one another, to the actions of what it means to love, what grace looks like, what faith looks like, what does the daily life of a Christian look like. We talk about how James, in a lot of ways, is like that intense physical trainer. When you go to the gym and they're super psyched and they're super jacked and they want the best for you, but they are going to kick your butt in doing it, right? This is Camp Gladiator on steroids for your faith. And so we've been saying, we're going to read through this book knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to stretch us, but in stretching us, it's going to draw us closer to God and it's going to draw us closer together. And I tell you that now because chapter four is really where the rubber meets the road. Chapter four is where the book of James as a physical trainer is literally shouting in your face and you're like, I am done with this. And yet God is doing something huge. Right? And so I tell you that now, that this is going to be an uncomfortable message. It's an uncomfortable message for me, to be completely honest with you. And yet, by the time we come through the book of James, chapter 4, we're actually going to be a lot closer to God and a lot closer to who he wants for us. All right? So that being said, I am about to give you the reason why there's any brokenness in your marriage, why there's any brokenness in your friendships, in relationships at work, in your relationships at school. If you have ever wondered... Why does this not work the way it's supposed to? Why can me and my spouse not get along the way we're supposed to? Why do me and my sister or my brother fight? Why do me and my parents fight? Why is this relationship broken? I am about to give you the answer. And it is this. We have a God complex. And the definition of a God complex is an unshakable belief characterized by consistently inflated, having inflated feelings, of personal ability, so I am better than you, personal privilege, I deserve more than you, or personal infallibility, I know more than you. When we in our humanity, when we as individuals think that we are either better than someone, we deserve something more than someone, 
or we are smarter than someone, that is the definition of a God complex. And that is the definition of what breaks down every relationship between you and God and every relationship with any person that you have ever had in your life, and it infects all of us. It infected me and my wife yesterday. So we had this beautiful anniversary trip in Costa Rica. We had this beautiful Airbnb. We went to the beaches. We loved on one another. We relaxed together. And then we went on this mission trip together, and we just saw Jesus everywhere. And we're smiling, and we're hugging. And we are so ready to come home. And we had this red-eye flight. And so our first flight left at 1 a.m. on Saturday morning coming in. So we didn't get any sleep, right? And so we had in our minds what was supposed to be we're going to get home at 8.30 a.m. in our driveway. We were set for it. We were ready. But planes got delayed. Food wasn't right. We weren't feeling 100%. And my expectations of what was supposed to happen and the reality that we met and my feelings that I had privilege, that I knew the right way out of this, started to make us chip at one another a little bit. And I kid you not, and I am thankful that we were able to actually apologize to one another, but within the span of 12 hours, we probably had to say, you know what, forgive me, that was not the right response, right? Forgive me, I was acting out of my own selfish interests, not out of our interests, not out of realizing what's happening, right? And this is the start of God's story. This is the start of the Bible. This comes from Genesis 3. So the woman said to the serpent, we're in the garden. This is humanity when things are still good. What does the serpent tell her? We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, do not eat from the fruit of the trees that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent says this. He says, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Humanity's God complex is what got us in trouble in the first place. It's what literally took paradise from us. And whenever we decide we want to be God, we create our own version of hell. Hell is separation. It's either separation from God and from each other. And so yesterday on the plane ride home, my wife and I were both creating our micro versions of hell. Because we wanted to be right, we wanted it to be our way, and that separated us from one another. That's what sin does. That's all sin knows how to do. It just breaks down relationships, and we see that in the very start of the narrative in Genesis in the beginning. Humanity said, I want to be God. And then everything literally went to hell. And we're still paying the price for that. And that's what James 4 is going to address again and again and again. We are not God. We're not in control. We're not right. We're not inherently privileged. And that's what James 4 is going to talk about today. James 4 starts off and it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? What caused those fights my wife and I were having yesterday? Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? You desire to have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And you do not have because you did not ask God. And when you ask God, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get 
on your pleasures. When we treat our desires or wants as needs, they become toxic in our life. Yesterday, my wife and I wanted to get home. It was late, we were tired, we were hungry. Right, the HALT acronym, if you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we had like three of those going, and then sin came in, now we're lonely too, right? We wanted good things. It wasn't bad. But we turned that want, that desire, into a need, and it became toxic in our relationship. It became toxic in how we treated one another. It became toxic in our posture. We can want good things, whether it's a new job, or a new house, or a spouse, or a better relationship with someone, or a new toy. We are God's kids. He wants to give us good gifts. That's earlier in James. We read that. Every perfect gift comes from your Father. He wants good for you. But when we change them from a want or a desire into a need, I deserve this. This is my right. This is my privilege. It becomes toxic in our veins, and it starts to destroy relationships. So James comes out swinging, and he goes, Guys, what you want and reality are two separate things. And if you can't parse those correctly, if you can't separate those two categories, it's going to become toxic in your relationship with God, and it's going to become toxic in your relationship with each other. He goes on and he says, you adulterous people, don't you know that your friendship with the world uh, means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of a world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell within us? But he gives us more grace. That is why God, the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. This is really important because what you see here is not a God who wants to be right. See, God was already right. God's always been right. In the garden, when we said we'd rather be God and we destroyed that relationship with him, he was right. He had all the knowledge. He had all the power. He deserved everything. And yet being right was not God's primary concern. God's primary concern was being in relationship. And that's what this is all about. James 4 is all about right relationships. And so he says, this relationship that you have with the world, this friendship that you want with the world, the broken thinking that we're all our own little individual deities, that our own ideas, that our own desires are infallible or privileged. He goes, that's broken. And he says, you can't have a relationship with the world and a relationship with God. You're either on team Jesus or you're on the team world. He goes, those are your only two options. Which then leads to the question, how is your relationship with the world gone? The times when you've acted out of your relationship with the world, when you make choices out of your relationship with the world. How's friendship with yourself worked out for you when you put yourself above everybody else? It didn't work out real well for my wife and I on our travels back yesterday. It didn't work out real well for me ever. 
my own best thinking, left to its own devices, has left me farther from God and farther from anyone else. The guy in the mirror, when he's in control, that separates me from everyone. And God says he doesn't want that for you. He's all about relationships. He's all about bringing us back into the family, back to home, so we don't have to be alone anymore, so we don't have to be separated anymore. He goes, guys, I have something better for you as my children. And then he goes, and he goes, so this is how we do it. This is what it looks like. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Now at first reading, this does not sound like a lot of fun, right? This is definitely not the solution to the world, right? The world's not going to give you these solutions. Hey, you want to have a more full life? Do things like submit. Do things like humble yourself. Wash yourself. Purify. You don't need to be purified, the world will tell you. You're already good enough. Your own thoughts, your own ideas, you're infallible. You're your own little deity. But James comes back and he says, no, no, you're not. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will not win. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash, purify, grieve and mourn and wail. Humble yourself. How we reconnect to God is by admitting that we're not God. It's through repentance. It's through realizing, you know what, I'm part of the problem. And in fact, if I'm going to be honest, most of the problems in my life come from my own worst decisions. And if that's true, then I need to submit. I need to say, you know what, God, you're God and, and I'm not. I need to resist. When Satan comes, when temptations come, when I want my way, whatever that is, good things, evil thoughts, whatever, when I want that and I turn it into a need, I need to resist. And God says, Satan will flee. I need to come near. I need to grieve that, you know what, my sin is real and it's broken and I need something better. I need to repent. I need to humble myself. To say I'm not the center of the universe. There's something bigger out there. My father is actually the center of the universe. But these verbs come with a promise. He will lift you up. God's whole point isn't to be right, right? If God wanted to be right, he would say, yep, you need to submit, you need to resist, you need to wash yourselves, you need to repent, full stop. But that's, that's not what he wants. He's not trying to humiliate his kids. He's trying to lift us up. He's trying to bring the best out of us. He designed us, he built us. 
And he says, guys, I want the best for you as my children. I want love and grace and fullness to emanate from your life. But to do that, to be lifted up, he goes, you have to realize you're not me. That you're not God, but you get to have a relationship with your father. And you get to have relationship with his sons and his daughters, with our neighbors, with our family. He goes, that's what I'm after. I am after relationship. And then the rest of John 4 goes on and he goes, okay, so how do we have these relationships with another? What does it look like? Brothers and sisters, don't slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister judges them and speaks against the law and judges it. And when you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Again, look at James through a lens of relationship, not of knowledge. This isn't about being right. In the same way, in the garden and in Jesus, it wasn't about God being right. It was about God restoring relationship. How we treat one another isn't about, well, did you do something right or did you do something wrong? He goes, when we get into that, when we start judging, we're not keeping the law. We're officiating it. We're playing the referees of the world. And do you know whose job that is? God's, not ours. And when we take that place, when we start saying, well, you're right and you're wrong, it's not about relationship. It's about, again, us putting ourselves in God's place. And so here, this clearly, Christians are not called to be the referees of the world. Full stop. That's not what God is after. You are not called, I am not called, to go into other people's lives and say, well, that was right and that was wrong. You can be right, but who cares? God doesn't. 1 Corinthians 13 says you can be 100% perfect, and if you have no love, it's useless. You can be 100% right, and if you have no love, it's useless. It's all about relationship. Now, just because we're not supposed to judge right and wrong, we are supposed to hold one another accountable. But the accountability is not about knowledge. It's not about righteousness. It's about relationship. The whole book of James is holding the church accountable to saying God wants a better relationship with you and he wants you to have a better relationship with each other. And he holds the church accountable to that. And so within the church, there are times where we have to speak accountability into each other's lives. But even when we're speaking accountability, we speak it on the basis of relationship, not on the basis of objective Yes and no. On the basis of love, on the basis of wanting to bring the best out of one another, on the basis of wanting to give people family and home, that's what God is after. That's what he's after in my life. That's what God is after in the lives of all of his children. He goes on and he says, now listen, 
You who say today or tomorrow we will go to do this or that in the city. We'll spend a year here. We'll carry on our business and make money. I'm going to fly home and I'm going to get home at 8.30 a.m. And I'm going to be in my bed and I'm going to get five hours of sleep. It's going to be a perfect trip home from Costa Rica. Don't do that. But why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll live and we'll do this or we'll do that. But as it is, you're boasting in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. James doesn't say don't make plans. We have to figure out what we're going to try to do today. We're going to buy plane tickets. We're going to go to work, and we're going to do our best. But he says, hold them lightly, because you're not God. You're not in control. And what you expect might happen, what you want to happen today, may or may not come to reality. But if we are so fixated, if we are holding so tightly to this is what's going to happen... And then God says, no, actually, this is going to happen. Well, again, that breaks down our relationship with God. All of a sudden, we're fighting with him. Why did my flight get delayed? Or we're fighting with each other. And again, God is after a relationship. He's after a right relationship with us and him and us and each other, us and the world. Which then makes sense. He ends by saying, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. He ties it back into relationship. He ties it back into accountability. He says, guys, your actions... I don't know, that's right. Um, he says, your actions, both what you do or you admit, oh, admit to do. Saying, oh, yeah, I really should call my dad. I know he's having a rough time, but it's been a long day. You know, I know my neighbor really could use some love right now, but it's just not a good time. I've got my own desires or wants or my own plans for today. I've got a friend, uh, mentor back home, and he talks about our life and leaving room and margin, or RPMs. So if you drive a stick shift, you know this pretty well. Each gear, you can get up to the red line, right? And the red line, what happens there is that's how much power you can have before you have to shift gears. And the farther you go up the red line, the more boost you're going to have, but eventually you just hit a wall. And he goes, in America especially, we max out our red line in everything we do. We max out our bandwidth. Right? We want to get the most out of the day. He goes, the problem, though, is we make so many plans, we go so far to the red line, that if God says, hey, I need you to go and do this, but we don't have the space for it. We don't have the time for it. There's no more bandwidth. There's no more capacity. And so we tell God, you know what? I would love to go and love that person, but my day is full. Because we've put so much into our day we're trying to get so much out of life that there's no room, there's no margin for God stepping in and saying, hey, I, I need you to go this way, not that way. And James says, guys, when you decide that your own desires, wants, plans, that you don't have the capacity to love, to do good, to care for your neighbor, 
your family. He goes, that's sin. That's brokenness. That's going to either separate you from God or it's going to separate you from each other or the world or it'll do all three. He goes, guys, God wants something better for you. So again, the challenge for this month has been five chapters of James, us reading the book five times. Us going through the scripture, hearing it again and again, letting it speak into our lives. And each week I've been kind of giving us a prompt, not as the only way to look at James, but a different lens to look at the book through. And this month, or this week, really going through James and asking the question, well, where do my personal feelings of either my ability, my privilege, or my infallibility get in the way of my relationship with him? or get in the way of the ability to love the people that God has brought into my life? Where is my own little godhood gunking up the system? And repenting of that and saying, God, maybe I don't need that in my life anymore. Maybe I can hold my plans a little more lightly. Maybe I can look at others as God's kids, not as means to my own agenda. Again, this, this is a hard message. It's a hard message for my life. It's a hard message for anyone who struggles with sin, and that is every single person in this room. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to go into a time, really, of just repentance. Uh, Tanner had sent me a, a song while we were down on the mission trip portion of Costa Rica, and he goes, hey, I, I really think this song sums up James chapter 4, and uh, it's called God Badge, um, or I don't know, is that right? Yeah, uh, it's called God Badge, and it just talks about giving up our right that we think we have to be God, and instead just loving people where they're at because God loves us. So we're going to have that time, but then we're going to have absolution in the words of Jesus in communion where he says, I forgive you, I fight for you, I advocate for you, and in communion we have union with God and union with each other. Would you all pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, uh, each with our own battles against our own mini-gods. Lord, we ask this week that you help us lay those down, release them back to you. Lord, that we may better love you, love our neighbors. And Lord, that in submitting, in resisting, in drawing near, in repenting, Lord, that you as a good father will lift up your children. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.